On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla holds their Q4 earnings call, and I've got all the big news and analysis from what they reported, including, yes, the long-awaited refresh of the Model S and Model X. There are some big surprises to discuss, so stay tuned. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey with you here for episode 287 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for January 31st, 2021. Daisy the Boxer to my left, and I am super excited about this week's podcast. I always look forward to the earnings call episodes. This one was obviously extra exciting with the refresh Model S and Model X, uh, which I will get to. In fact, I was so excited to do the show this week. I almost did it last night for the uh, Patreon folks who get the show via early access. But I thought, well, let me just give it one more day, do the re- record at the regular time, just in case any interesting follow-up details surface. And there were a couple of little ones. So I feel like I've got a very full hour or probably more here for you coming up. And we'll get right to it. Uh, first, well, I'm going to talk about the Model S and Model X refresh because that's certainly what you want to hear about first. Then I'll go into the shareholder letter and then the earnings call itself. Now, I expect this to be such a busy show, kind of as usual with the earnings call shows, that I don't think there's going to be time for the Ride the Lightning hotline this week, but please keep your calls coming. I would love to hear from you. Odds are you're going to want to talk about the Model S and Model X refresh or something else that you heard in the earnings call. So a quick friendly reminder, you can either record your 90 second or less question on your smartphone's built-in voice recording software and email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave that same message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. Just dial it up toll free and leave a message. The number is 1-888-989-8752. And with that, Let's roll here. First up, the Model S and Model X refresh. The biggest news by far out of all of this, the Model S and X finally got refreshed. Almost exactly five years since the first uh, and what was to date only exterior refresh, which of course was in March of 2016. That was when the, uh, the the primary thing, of course, was that the nose cone was deleted. There were a few other little things that changed on the exterior of the S at that point. Uh, the rear diffuser changed. There was some chrome trim on the, the, actually on the rear diffuser that changed. Anyway, uh, that was five years ago already. So here we are with a new S and a uh, new X as well. And furthermore, the Plaid Model S now, instead of coming out in fall of 2021, as was announced at Battery Day, is coming out now. And there's something else coming out at uh, the fall of 2021, which is, they're they're similar, but uh, there are some key differences more on that shortly. So, the S and the X on the outside... These are very slight exterior refreshes, in my humble opinion. You may you may disagree, but I doubt it. Uh, they are, it's it's pretty tough. I mean, take away other than the the uh, 
black trim and black door handles, which is replacing chrome as it has done on the Model 3. Uh, you, you really, like, I think to the untrained eye, really can't tell. Uh, I mean, the most obvious things are, of course, as I just said, the, the black trim replacing the chrome, and then the redesigned wheels on both cars. So let me start there. On the Model S, redesigned arachnid wheels, they're still 21-inch, are a $4,500 option. So the price of the 21-inch wheel has not changed, just the wheel itself. It's very nice. It's a dark gray color. I'm a fan. I like it. Now, I really like the original arachnid wheel, which uh, for a while was available in silver. Then then it was in uh, dark, you know, dark gray, or I don't think it was quite a black, but uh, that is now refreshed and updated for a bit of a modernized look. And then the 19-inch default wheel on the Model S is unchanged. That's still the Tempest wheel, which I've said before, (laughs) much love to Franz and the design team, but I think it is the ugliest wheel Tesla makes. I know it's for aerodynamic purposes and it's what gets help helps get that 400 mile range, but uh, that is still unchanged. So just the 21 inch wheel is new there, which means by the way, the twin turbine wheel, the turbine wheel that's been a staple, that's been the 21 inch wheel on the Model S since it launched in 2012. They even, they did refresh that wheel uh, about mm, two or so years ago, uh, the, it went from turbine to twin turbine. It just had a little bit of a different look, but generally the same look. So uh, the turbine is out for the first time, again, since the car launched. And the Arachnid is now the 21-inch wheel. On the X, you've got two new wheel designs. Both of them have been refreshed. The 20-inch default wheel, instead of the slipstream, is now the Cyberstream wheel, which is uh, not too bad looking. And then the optional 22-inch turbines, yes, the X will retain the turbines, but those have been redesigned. So, uh, what else? Well, the front fascias and, again, rear diffusers, just like with the 2016 refresh, both of those appear to have gotten slightly reworked, and by appear, I mean... I don't, I mean they did, uh, it's, and that's that's really where the only particularly obvious thing, and it's really, it's not even obvious, it's pretty subtle. And in fact, I would imagine that it was just as much for airflow as it was for aesthetics, because the Model S used to have a drag coefficient, by the way, an incredible, like at the time, world-leading drag coefficient of 0.23. Uh, now... The new Model S, despite looking almost entirely the same, is down to 0.208, which Tesla says is the lowest drag car on Earth. Wow. That is, so again, I got to figure that that that, uh, front air dam has got to play a big part of that if the general shape of the car has not really changed. But my goodness. And then the Model X, if you're curious... Still 0.25 on the Model X there, so no change on the aerodynamics to that one. Now, while uh, not too much was done to the outside, the interior of both cars has been completely 100% reworked, and I have to say, in my humble opinion, it is gorgeous. 
So the new Model S and X, the, the number one thing when you see a picture, if you haven't already, that you're going to stop, your eyeball will stop on right away, is not the center screen, not the 17-inch landscape screen, because you were expecting that. Your eye is going to stop on the thing that you weren't expecting, which is a yoke steering wheel. Uh, yes, not not complete yoke like the Roadster, where it's just two handles at nine and three. It's got a bottom part, so it's more of a kind of more of a half half wheel yoke. But uh, it is a yoke, and there's a lot to say about it. Now, I will add the fact that the S and X are going to ship with a yoke all but confirms, in my opinion, that the Roadster, the aforementioned Roadster's carbon fiber steering yoke is going to go into the into the production car because that was something you know back in 2017 when the roadster prototype was unveiled where people were like that's not that yoke's not going to make it into the final thing right that's just one of those prototype things well now it sure looks like it probably will and in fact you could say the same thing about the cybertruck i mean i said on this show after the cybertruck unveiling when i got to take my test ride at the event it's got a similar thing, kind of a half-wheel yoke, and I thought for sure, no way that makes production, but maybe now it's going to. So uh, what's interesting here, uh, among many things, besides just the fact that it's a yoke, the yoke is no joke, there are no stalks coming off of the steering wheel. Instead, there are, capa- well, what I believe are capacitive touch buttons, but they are, they're buttons for sure. It's just a question of what type. But there are buttons for the left and right turn signals on the left side of the wheel that, you know, you've, you, you basically more or less have to have your hands at nine and three on this thing. I guess if you're on autopilot and just cruising down the freeway, you could still keep one, you know, one hand down at the bottom applying, you know, slight, slight force as autopilot demands. But again, left and right turn signal buttons on the left side of the wheel, uh, which a uh, Ferrari has now. So that's, it's not unprecedented. It's been done before. There's also a headlight button on there, which I would imagine is probably for activating the high beams, assuming like to flash your high beams if you need to, because the headlights on the cars now, and and not just Teslas, a lot of cars, are very automatic, including auto high beams. I mean, I've talked before, I don't, (laughs) I'm not a fan of how the auto high beams on my, on the Teslas currently work. I had to turn mine off on my last road trip where I actually needed them because they kept just coming on and off at weird random times. But anyway, I digress. There is a headlight button on the right side of the wheel. There is a horn button, a wiper button, an autopilot button, and a microphone button to activate your voice commands. And it's got the same, what appear to be the same metal scroll wheels that the new Model 3 and Model Y steering wheels have, which are, you know, they're basically exactly the same as the plastic wheels that are in most of our Model 3s and Model Ys, but they're just metal now. And I imagine Tesla's doing that because they have economy of scale on those metal scroll wheels and they'll work just fine. They can get them for, you know, pennies. So here's the next thing that's probably popped into your head. Say, well, Ryan, if there are no stalks, okay, there are turn signal buttons and you said there's an autopilot button, but 
What about selecting gears? You know, reverse or drive or park. Well, uh, the car is going to guess, and I'm not kidding. Elon took to Twitter to say, quote, no more stalks. The car guesses the drive direction based on what obstacles it sees, the context, and the navigation map. You can override it on the touchscreen. And then he added in a follow-up tweet, After you drive without using a PRND stalk slash stick for a few days, it gets very annoying to go back and use a shifter. End quote. Well, that to me, as Daisy the Boxer Puppy drinks up behind me, Uh, I have to say, that sounds like it's going to be very frustrating if it goes wrong one out of a hundred times. You know what it reminds me of? And again, this is just on paper. None of us have experienced this yet. It might win us over and work great. This reminds me, if any of you are Xbox gamers out there, this reminds me of the Kinect. Again, all on paper, can't say in practice yet, but the Kinect which was a, a uh, motion-sensing camera controller. You basically used you know, your hands and your body uh, to control the games. You didn't have anything in your hand. There was no controller in your hand. Connect, when it worked, it was amazing. It was like, wow, this is super futuristic and cool. This is awesome. But when it didn't work, it was incredibly frustrating. And unfortunately for Connect, it didn't work a lot. So, uh, we'll see how this goes, but this has definitely been a, a, uh, divisive thing in the community since, or at least let's put it this way. It's raised a lot of eyebrows, my, my own included since Elon mentioned this in the following up the, the earnings call where the car was announced. Also, presumably I would have to think that the steering ratio on the steering yoke is going to have to be speed dependent because you're not going to want to turn it around and around in parking lots where you don't have a top of the steering wheel, but you also won't want it to be super twitchy on the freeway at high speeds either. Uh, So we'll see again, all of this remains to be seen. The yoke was undoubtedly the single biggest interior surprise, and there are more surprises because I'm, I'm going to get to those, so hang on. But the reaction to the yoke in the community so far is very divisive. I would say right now it's tilting more negative, but again, uh, we'll see what happens. Now, like others, I didn't realize that a steering yoke was legal on a production car, and in fact, the community is still debating about this. Some people say, well, there doesn't seem to be any definitive word at the federal level here in the United States, but uh, some people are pulling up things that say that on, in some specific states that, it, that states require a full wheel in a car. Uh, now, t- it's maybe Tesla's pulled some, some NHTSA wizardry on this one, NHTSA, or, or what, I don't know, but I have to imagine that Tesla didn't go to the trouble of designing it, engineering it, and building it, and advertising it unless they bothered to ask the government first. Now, uh, CNET's car channel, so the CNET Roadshow, reported this. They said, quote, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration told Roadshow it has reached out to Tesla 
following the news of its planned yoke-style steering wheel for the refreshed Model S electric sedan. The government agency did not say if the automaker has been in touch with regulators since it debuted the radical new wheel, end quote. So we'll wait and see on that. But what is clear to me now is this. Franz von Holzen, uh, pardon me, Franz von Holzhausen and his design team absolutely love steering yokes. They're shipping the new S and X with one. The Cybertruck prototype has one and may go into production with it. And the Roadster prototype has one and may go into production with it. It, at this point, we might, we might a year from now, the three and the Y might be the only Teslas without a steering yoke. So, uh, and on that note, really, I mean, the S and the X actually doing this means that, again, both the Cybertruck and Roadster probably just saw their odds of actually going into production with their yokes go way up. Uh, now, let's just say. You're out there, you're, you're listening to this going, well, I, I'm really interested in the new Model S or X, but I really do not want a steering yoke. I want something with a full wheel that I can put my hand at the top of. It looks like that Tesla might be offering a traditional steering wheel either as an option or as a choice at delivery. It, ha- it remains to be seen. There's nothing official about it, on the Tesla website or in any sort of communication that's come out from Tesla, but people have found an image of the same interior photo that's on the design studio with the yoke, but that same picture, but with a regular steering wheel. People have found that in the the Tesla.com website source code. It's since been removed. So Tesla uh, realized that people found it and they yanked it. So we'll see what happens there. My guess is if the yoke does make it through, and again, I think it will because I can't imagine Tesla would have gone to this much trouble without actually checking the legality of it, I would imagine that a, that a traditional round steering wheel does show up uh, as a, probably as a paid option in the online Tesla shop, uh, similar to, you know, a winter tire pack or something like that where You just order it, and then you take your car to the service center. The service center installs it for you and then hands you your yoke back. And you you could mount it on your wall. You could mount it on your desk somewhere or just hang on to it on a shelf in the garage or something. But we'll see. That that is going to be very interesting to follow this. What else about the interior? Well, as I mentioned a few moments ago, the 17-inch portrait touchscreen is gone, and instead a 17-inch landscape-oriented screen has replaced it to bring it in line with the 3 and the Y, obviously not in terms of size or resolution, but in terms of form factor, the landscape orientation. Less expected, so that was expected, less expected is that this screen apparently tilts. On the design studio, you can go on there right now, it says left-right tilt, which would differ certainly from the fixed screens that are in the 3 and the Y. And uh, by the way, the screen, it is a high-resolution screen. It's not 4K or anything, but you know, you don't think you need 4K when you're 12 to 18 inches away from, your eyes are 12 to 18 inches away from the screen. I guess it's not 12. You're not sitting that close, but you're sitting pretty close. You're sitting like a foot and a half, two feet away from the screen. 
but it is a 2200 by 1300 resolution. And it is powered by what I presume is MCU 3. We have MCU 2 in all of our Model 3s and Model Ys and all the new S's and X's as well. But this new system in the new S and X has, get this, 10 teraflops of processing power. Now, if you're not a nerdy video gamer like me, you might have no context for what 10 teraflops means. Let me put it to you this way. Teraflops isn't the entire picture, but it's sort of a, a general computational representation of, of a system or a chip's overall processing power. 10 teraflops is roughly the same as the brand new PlayStation 5. The PS5 is 10.2 teraflops. The Xbox Series X is 12.1. So 10 teraflops of processing power in the new MCU, what again, what I am calling the MCU 3 system, nobody from Tesla or Elon has referred to it that way, but I think it's pretty fair to label it MCU 3 at this point. Elon says, quote, it can play cyberpunk, referring to the big new release, Cyberpunk 2077. So uh, that might be a thing eventually. It's not for the moment, but what is, is... Uh, Another game from that same developer, the creators of Cyberpunk 2077, their last game, uh, the studio is CD Projekt Red, that's their Polish, and their last game, which is regarded as one of the best games of the past generation of gaming, is The Witcher 3. So uh, if Cyberpunk is coming, I mean, clearly Tesla has the in now because The Witcher 3 is on the way. The Witcher 3 is... On the screenshots that Tesla posted on the design studio, along with the other games that are already available in the Tesla arcade, like Cuphead and Beach Buggy Racing 2 and Fallout Shelter, etc., etc. And I, I'll tell you, The Witcher 3, that's wild, number one. Uh, a wild hunt, if you will, and gamers will get that reference. But what's interesting here to me is I, I had to stop and go, well, wait a second. Cuphead is, if you have listened to the show for a while, you would have heard my interview with Maya Moldenhauer from the Cuphead development team at Studio MDHR, which I did that interview with her when Cuphead was first coming to the Tesla. And one of the things she said was that uh, storage is a, you know, a limitation, and that's one of the reasons why Cuphead and the Tesla only includes the first island, the first chunk of the game, and not the entire thing. Well, The Witcher 3 is a huge open-world role-playing game, which you can't just slice off a chunk of very easily, and it's also just a, a large game by file size re, uh, me measurements. It's roughly 35 gigabytes, and I'm not 100% on this, but if I remember correctly, I believe... The car, that our cars now have 32 gigs of onboard storage. So those numbers don't add up. Turns out that Tesla in the new S and X have increased that storage. I tweeted this very thing out to Elon about, hey, you know, store, what's the storage situation? Because The Witcher 3 is a big game. And he replied back to me kindly and said, there's more storage now and it's easily upgradable. 
So excellent news there on both counts. Just A, the fact that there's more, and B, the fact that it's upgradable. So it remains to be seen what kind of storage it is. Is it is it uh, an SSD? Is it uh, a large SD card? Is it, you know, is it an NVMe drive? What is it? Because I could see Tesla going with any one of those uh, storage formats, but it's excellent news regardless. Now, if, if you're also wondering, okay, am I going to have to plug in a wired controller again to play this stuff? No, wireless controller capability is now a thing from anywhere in the car. So it's, I presume, again, don't know this 100%, but I would presume it's Bluetooth controller compatibility, which means, again, you could grab any Xbox controller and you're done. You're off to the races. Wireless uh, capability in the car. You could be in the back seat playing on the 17-inch display, playing some Witcher while the car is supercharging, which is pretty darn cool. And you know... I guess it is about time, probably, for MCU 3, the more I think about it. Because after all, MCU 2 first started going into the cars three and a half years ago. They debuted in the original batch of Model 3s. I mean, every Model 3 has an MCU 2 in it. And it was actually a little later that it came to the S and the X. So yeah, it's been about three and a half years since MCU 2. And that's a long time in GPU years. So, uh, the question now is going the other way, you know, MCU two went into the three first and came to the S and the X later. Of course the Y wasn't out yet. And now the question is how long will it take for MCU three to go into the three and the Y? Now the good news is in theory, if, and when this happens, you could upgrade because it's all in the screen assembly which comes off like it's that is removable. If anything happens to that screen, Tesla can just pop that off and pop another one on there. So uh, it would not be cheap, I'm sure, to upgrade to MCU 3, but in theory, it should be pretty plug and play once it comes to the 3 and the Y. Obviously, it will not be a thing that uh, existing S's and X's can do because it's a completely different interior. Now, uh, another thing here, listener Eric Snappet noticed that the, and Eric, I apologize if I mispronounced your last name there, the HVAC screen, which by the way, the, the, the HVAC system as expected, it's the same one from the three and the Y, the really cool, just blade, which Tesla calls the airwave system. That's just one long thin line across the whole dash. No more traditional, you know, vents, so uh, it's got that, that HVAC system. But what's cool is when you're on the HVAC screen, the, uh, the screen displays the not just the outside and inside air temperatures, but also the outside air quality index, the AQI. I presume that's uh, you know, a nice little function of the HEPA filter, the bioweapon defense system that's in the car. So that's pretty cool. And... The new S and X have tri-zone climate control. So it's not just the driver and front seat passenger that can have independent temperature settings, but the back row, the second row, can have its own individual climate setting as well. Also new in the interior, 
a 22-speaker, 960-watt sound system with, get this, active noise cancellation. So that, I mean, if it's anything like my noise-canceling AirPod Pros that I got, uh, which which work really well at filtering out outside noise, if that application could is applied to a car in an effective way, that could really make the the Model S and X just an especially beautifully silent, smooth, quiet ride. I mean, that's I am eager to hear that, or as it were, not hear that for myself. So uh, looking forward to checking that out at some point. Also, unsurprisingly, the cabin-facing camera that's currently not really in use in any uh, user-facing, pardon the expression, way, uh, there is now a cabin-facing camera in the new S and the new X, just as there's been in every single 3 and Y. Also coming over from the 3 and the Y are the door release buttons on the armrest, on the, you know, the, the, on your armrest handle there, replacing the traditional door handles that the S and the X had up until now. And unsurprisingly as well, the new S and X can finally do the full 250 kilowatt max supercharging that the 3 and the Y are capable of as well. Also unsurprising, the Octovalve is in the S and the X. That's, uh, of course, Tesla was going to put that in everything. Totally expected there. Uh, Maybe a little less expected, but nevertheless quite welcome. Perforated seats are back in the front, which seemingly suggests that cooled seats are back. I mean, that's what I thought at first, but then when I was poking around the design studio, it says this. Heated seats for every passenger heated steering, and heated windshield. Ventilated front seating. Now, does ventilated mean cooled? I would imagine Tesla would have said cooled if they meant cooled. So, I mean, I admit, maybe I'm being dumb here, but I Googled it. Like, is is there some sort of difference there? I've never had a car with ventilated or cooled seats, but I Googled this and it uh, the answer appears, let me just clarify that, this is just me surmising based on what I'm finding on Google, but the answer appears to be that cooled seats will blow cooled air, like actual chilled air, but ventilated seats just blow air. So it's not, you know, they're not doing anything to that air, uh, which cooled seats do. So that appears to be what's going on in the new S and X. Now in the back seats, there is, uh, something surprising, which is a wireless phone charger in the back, in the fold down center armrest that when it's folded up can seat, can be a, a third, a middle seat as it is now. But there is a, a wireless phone charger in there for charging two more phones. There of course is still one in the, uh, in the front seats as well. And well, you know, in the center console for the front seats, but the big story in the back seats is there is a second eight inch screen that's on the back of the center console for the second row occupants. And in the design studio images, it's showing a game on display in the, in those photos. Uh, it's showing beach buggy racing two with the front screen showing the Witcher three. So 
it looks like you can now the, the you can play games independently of what the primary display is doing. And I would presume that that second row screen, the games can all be played while the car is in motion because obviously the driver physically can't be distracted by that because it's it's behind the driver's seat on the back of the center console. So uh, there is the Tesla Arcade just, uh, if you'll allow the video game expression, absolutely just leveled up. I mean, not only with the teraflop power, with the uh, higher resolution screen and the and the landscape format, the addition of The Witcher 3, but a, a second a second display and, and uh, gaming space on the back of the center console for the back seat passengers, which is, which is just so cool. I mean, again, as a gamer, I I'm in video games by day. That is really, really cool. If you ask me, um, now I initially guessed that that screen might've been detachable since there are other luxury cars that have started to offer detachable infotainment screens on the backs of the front seats for use by the second row passengers. But I, this one does not appear to be removable. I couldn't find anything to that, any, any words to that effect on the Tesla website, but it's just awesome that the, the, you know, kids in the back or Hey, just your friends in the back can have wireless controllers and be playing. You could be playing two player beach buggy racing, Although in split screen, it'd be pretty small split screen on that eight inch screen, but still you could do it while the car is, while you're on a road trip, while you're driving, uh, and you know, the, the front passengers are completely undisturbed and the, the fronts, the main display is, you know, got whatever the driver wants on there, map data, autopilot, all that stuff. So that is pretty darn cool. All right. Uh, we talked about the outside of the cars. We talked about the inside of the cars. Now let's talk about what's going on under the skin of the new S and X. The base model S, the long range, is now up to 412 miles of range, and the price has gone up by $10,000. So it's now 80 grand. All right, 79.9. So it's $80,000. It's no longer 69420. However, the base 0 to 60 time is uh it's quicker now. 3.1 seconds for the quote-unquote worst Model S. 3.1 seconds, which is the same as my performance Model 3. So that's pretty that's the Model S is not kidding around on in any trim. You <laughs> There, nobody is going to uh, want to take you off the line. There, nobody is going to want to challenge you in regardless of, of which, which, model, which new Model S you've got, or X for that matter. Uh, the base X, interestingly, is down 11 miles from what it was. It was 371. Now it's 360 miles of range. The 0 to 60 time on it, 3.8 seconds for the long range which again, a sub four second zero to 60 time for a seven seat family full-size SUV, which is wild. Deliveries on the X are starting in April, by the way, whereas the S uh, is gonna start actually delivering much sooner. Uh, I'll talk about that a little more. Well, it's gonna be February uh, for presumably existing order, hold, uh, people with existing orders, 
And the design studio, if you place an order today, it shows delivery in March. But deliveries start in April for the X, which means just, it's just kind of an interesting little nugget. It's really nothing more to it than that. But the fact is there will be almost zero Model X sold in all of Q1 for Tesla. Uh, just aside from a few inventory cars that are that they've been, you know, selling off. That's it. That is it. So that's just kind of a an interesting little quiet moment in the Model X's history since it since it launched up until today. Also, ludicrous mode is dead. The new performance mode in both the S and the X is plaid. And if you're wondering, yes, there is a plaid badge. It's instead of the dual motor one, it just says, it actually just, it's the word plaid. That's your badge now. Uh, now, I wonder if plaid plus is going to be a plaid plus badge or plaid with the red underline. I also wonder if S and X moving to plaid and the elimination of ludicrous for the time being means that the three and the Y might get ludicrous a little further down the road once both of those cars are switched over to the higher energy density 4680 cells. So stay tuned on that. I think there is a very good chance that that happens. Now, if, if, if you're stopping for a second and going, wait a minute, Ryan, hold on. Did you just say plaid plus? Yes, I did. Plaid plus. So... That Plaid Plus is ultimately the car that uh, was unveiled at Battery Day. Plaid Plus is uh, in the Model S. It's it's actually there isn't a Plaid Plus X. It's only for the S, at least for now. The Plaid the Plaid S is zero to sixty in one point nine nine seconds, which is a world record for a production car, and that. Plaid S has a 390 mile range. The regu- the regular Plaid S, which the community has already taken to calling the baby Plaid, has 1,020 horsepower and will run the quarter mile in 9.23 seconds at a trap speed of, get this, 155 miles per hour in the quarter mile. Ludicrous is gone, as I said. And then... So again, Plaid is available starting next month. It's coming very soon. Plaid Plus, that's coming in the fall, fall of 2021. And all Tesla says it'll be less than 1.99 seconds to 60 miles an hour. It will top out at the same 200 miles per hour that the regular, the baby Plaid does. And it will have 1,100 plus horsepower and run the quarter mile in under nine seconds. Of note here, in fine print, Tesla says that the 200 mile per hour top speed is is possible when equipped with the proper wheels and tires available fall of 2021. Now, fall of 2021 happens to be when the Plaid Plus hits, so that's probably not a coincidence. I have to wonder if Tesla is going to be selling a Model S track pack that has high-speed wheels and tires in there 
similar to the Model 3 track pack that's available for the Performance Model 3 now, which of course includes the zero-G wheels, racing tires, and uh, upgraded brake pads. So uh, we'll see about that. Now, I look at the Plaid Plus, certainly, and have to think, well, the Roadster is going to have to time travel. If the Plaid Plus, a 4,766-pound sedan, is doing Roadster numbers, because it is. It is doing everything performance-wise that, that Tesla promised with the Roadster back in 2017. My theory on this, and I know I've floated this before, but I'm now doubling down on it because I'm feeling pretty strong about it now. My theory is that every Roadster is going to come with the SpaceX package standard rather than have it be an option. Now, the, the thing we know about the SpaceX package as far as its effect on the car besides the perform, we, we don't know what the performance effect is yet, but what Elon had said is that the SpaceX package would delete the plus two back seats and replace those with the uh, cold gas canisters that'll be needed for to, to power the SpaceX package. Uh, so the fact is here, normal physics do not allow for the two hundred dollars to $250,000 Roadster to beat the $140,000 Plaid Plus S by too much for such a big price gap. The, the, the physics, I mean, it's tires. The tire limitations are really coming into play here to get the zero to 60 times much quicker than they are. So to me, the obvious answer for the Roadster it, to really differentiate it from the Plaid and Plaid Plus S is standardizing the SpaceX package on the Roadster, which would also simplify Roadster production, which, yes, even though that car is not going to be made in huge quantities, we still, we know that Tesla loves to simplify production whenever they're able to do so. Now, possibly backing up my theory here, emphasis on possibly, is Elon himself responding to me. I was lucky to get a couple of responses from Elon this week. I tweeted at him most of what I just told you. I said, if a 5,000 pound sedan is pulling these numbers off, the new Roadster is going to basically time travel, isn't it, Elon? And he responded saying, new Roadster is part rocket, end quote. My friend John from the Tesla owners Silicon Valley Club followed that up and asked, can it fly? because that is something that Elon has maybe jokingly, maybe not hinted at in the past. And Elon replied to John saying, a little. Can it fly? A little. So <laughs> this just gets more interesting. Now, uh, even better than that, for uh, certainly for me, because I've just been dying to hear more about this car, we got our first meaningful update on the Tesla Roadster in what feels like a couple of years now, courtesy of a question asked by my friend, the Frunk Puppy King himself, Earl, aka 28 Delays Later on Twitter. Earl is the sweetheart of a human being. Uh, if you if you want to follow him, he's he's always got adorable pictures of pets 
in Tesla frunks. And yet the frunks open, don't worry, he doesn't have them trapped in there. <laughs> it's it's a it's a little tradition he's been doing for a while. The frunk open and and uh, adorable pets in there. So anyway, uh, Earl asked simply, what happened to the roadster? And Elon responded, saying, quote, Finishing engineering this year, production starts next year, aiming to have a release candidate design drivable in late summer. Tri-motor drive system and advanced battery work were important precursors, end quote. Now, of course, we assumed the Roadster would have the absolute most bleeding edge battery technology, and Elon essentially confirms that here whether it's just going to be the 4680s or whether there's going to be something even wackier that they're you know that they have <laughs> cooking up in in the in the Cato Road laboratory at the pilot plant uh now i have long been saying 2022 for this car that is now also confirmed or at least maybe confirmed isn't the right word maybe let's call it it is now the most updated information we have from Elon about the Roadster. And quite honestly, I'm just glad to hear that the Roadster's back in development because I'm pretty sure that it was not being actively worked on for quite a while. In my interview with Elon, which is now over a year and a half ago, back on episode 200, I asked him about the Roadster and he said, it's dessert and that Tesla wasn't ready to have their dessert yet. So I feel like the car probably wasn't really being worked on for quite a while, but it clearly is back in active development now. And, you know, I have to say, if this happens to be the last meaningful update, the first and last meaningful update on the Roadster that we get for a while, well, then it's already, I've already gotten more than I expected to hear about the Roadster in 2021. So I will happily take it. As a quick side note, I have to say, uh, re- reflecting back to my New Year's prediction, my Tesla prediction episode, I was, I have to say, I was both right and wrong in my uh, prediction that there would not be a Plaid Model X. I mean, I guess technically I was wrong. There is a Model X that's Plaid, so there's that. But there's not a Plaid Plus Model X with, you know, crazy range and even more insane performance. But if you're curious, the Plaid X that is being sold does 0 to 60 in 2.5 seconds and has a 340 mile range. So certainly there is a range penalty there for that additional power output. And it tops out not at 200 miles per hour, but at a a still pretty zippy 163 miles per hour. Uh, And if you're curious... Pricing-wise here, if you were to check every box and pick the most expensive stuff, meaning multi-coat red paint, the you know wheels and this, that, the Plaid Plus Model S maxes out at $157,500. And the Model X, which again, uh, does not have a Plaid Plus option, which would have increased the price quite a bit more. So the, re- the baby Plaid X maxes out now at $145,000. Okay, uh, the shareholder letter. Let's we're, we're, we're moving along here. We're going to get to the shareholder letter and then the earnings call. 
Uh, in the shareholder letter, this is the description of the Plaid battery changes. Quote, while our Model S and Model X battery architecture evolved over the past eight years, both the battery pack and modules have now been fully redesigned. Additionally, we have incorporated Model 3 and Model Y motor technology throughout, as well as our heat pump for better winter range. These changes enable five times more high-speed quarter-mile runs than the prior architecture, while further improving energy efficiency. All right. Uh, Cybertruck? Anybody want to hear about that? Quote, in Berlin and Austin, we remain on track to start vehicle production this year with structural batteries leveraging in-house battery cells. Our engineering team has made significant progress on full self-driving software with a limited release to customers. Finally, we are excited to ramp the model, the updated Model S and Model X and deliver our first Tesla Semi by the end of the year. So, no Cybertruck. The Cybertruck was not mentioned at all in the shareholder letter. So, it looks like that Austin is going to get started with the Model Y this year and then introduce the Cybertruck seemingly early next year? The shareholder letter concluded with this, quote, We are currently building Model Y capacity at Gigafactory Berlin and Gigafactory Texas and remain on track to start deliveries from each location in 2021, end quote. So yeah, Cybertruck seemingly in 2022, just a question of when in 2022, but stay tuned for a little bit more on that in the earnings call here in a few minutes. That also, by the way, uh, no mention whatsoever of the Tesla Roadster in the shareholder letter. So that seemingly, again, you heard Elon follow it up, 2022, which which is better than 2023, right? We know now we know we know it's not this year, but Elon did say next year. So at least some news there. And then, oh, by the way, you're probably curious if Tesla made a profit. Remember when that was the number one nail-biting concern with every Tesla earnings report? Well, Tesla posted its sixth consecutive profitable quarter. GAAP net income for the fourth quarter stands at $270 million, while non-GAAP net income for Q4 stands at $903 million. And this whole profitability thing is starting to become routine for Tesla now. And in all sincerity, I'm just so happy for everybody at Tesla who has worked so hard for the past couple of years in particular to get the company to this point. It is just uh, the success could not be more deserved for every single Tesla employee. All right, I've got the earnings call ready to go. Gosh, I've already been talking for 50 minutes. That is crazy. But there is a lot more podcast to go. The earnings call, all the clips from Elon and the executive team. But first, a quick word from my friends at the Teslarati Marketplace. So stay tuned. I'll be back in one minute with the earnings call. Before I continue with the podcast, let me tell you about the new Model Y all-weather floor mats from 3D Max Spider available on the Teslarati Marketplace. I know there are a lot of new Model Y owners out there, and I cannot recommend these floor mats enough. 3D Max Spider has earned one of the best reputations out there, and for good reason. 
These mats have an ultra premium look, feel, and precision fit to match your Model Y. They're made using a premium textured top layer that keeps mud, water, and melted snow from skidding around the car and making a scratchy sound while it's moving. And the mats themselves won't slide around in the car either, they stay put. Finally, the triple layer material is of such a quality that you do not have to worry about them warping or losing their shape over time. 3D Max Spider has been in the Tesla floor mat game since the early Model S days, and I cannot recommend them enough. Get them for your Model Y at shop.teslarati.com RTL. That's shop.teslarati.com RTL. Wow, I can't believe it's already 52 minutes into the show. I did a whole show just on the SNX refresh, but I hope you'll forgive me because, I mean, that's huge, huge in the Tesla world. We have not had something like this really ever with any of the cars where there's just been a significant change, you know, to, to the inside or outside of any of them. So anyway, let's get to the earnings call now. And there's plenty to go over here, too. Let's start with Elon's opening statement. This is nine minutes long. So buckle up. Uh, thank you. <clears throat> so just to recap the year, uh, 2020 was a defining year for us on many levels. Despite a challenging environment, we reached an important milestone of producing and delivering half a million cars. Uh, I'd just like to uh, once again thank the people of Tesla for an incredible effort. Uh, we, we delivered uh, almost as many cars last year as we produced in our entire history. Uh, so really uh, an incredible uh, growth rate uh, and, and despite a very challenging uh, 2020. So when, when my hat is off. Uh, it's such an honor to work with such great people at at, at Tesla. So, um, and the full year, we, we, so we achieved free cash flow of nearly $2.8 billion after spending more than $3 billion on building new factories and other expenditures. Uh, we reached in, industry leading gap operating margin in addition to positive net income and record cash flow. Regarding capacity expansion, um, we, we, while we focus on execution, we, we continue to build a lot of new capacity. We started producing the Model Y out of Fremont and have almost reached full production speed. We, we ramped the Model 3 in Shanghai to more than 5,000 uh, cars a week sustainably, uh, and Shanghai continues to grow uh, rapidly. We introduced the heat pump to all of our vehicles. We ramped the single piece, we, we, we started and we almost ramped to, to uh, volume uh, production uh, at the single piece castings for Model Y. This is where uh, for the first time in history, the entire rear third skeleton of the, of a car is being cast as a single piece in the largest and most advanced casting machine ever made. Uh, we built a Model Y factory in China from start to finish in one year. We're also building Giga Berlin and Giga Texas, which we expect to start production later this year. And lastly, we built a, um, a, cell, a, a battery cell uh, factory in the Bay Area. Uh, and this, even though it is a pilot plant, it is, its capacity is um, large enough that it would be in the probably the top 10 uh, battery cell factories on Earth, despite being a pilot plant. Uh, regarding the new Model X, S and X, um, we are launching the, we're super excited to announce the new Model S and Model X Plaid uh, are in production now and will be delivered in February. So, We've, we've been able to bring forward the, the Plaid uh, Model S and X 
And uh, so Model S will be delivered in February and Model X a little later. The Model S Plaid, in, we're actually in production now and we'll be, we'll be delivering uh, next month. Uh, so this is a tri-motor uh, Model S with a completely new interior. Uh, there, there are actually a lot of great things about this. I'll do another call about the, the Model S later. Uh, but uh, it's, it's really um, a, a tremendous uh, improvement um, over the prior version. Uh, and the, the Model S will be the first, this Model S title will be the first production car ever that is able to go zero to 60 miles an hour in under two seconds. So no, no production car ever has been able to get below two seconds, zero to 60. This is a, a, a luxury sedan that is able to go zero to 60 uh, in less than two seconds. Uh, and uh, we'll have the ability to seat up to seven people with the, the third row uh, seats. So this is pretty nuts. This is faster, to be clear, than any car. This, it's not like there was a different type of car, like a two-door sports car, that was able to do better faster than this. This is the fastest accelerating car ever made for, that is allowed to go on roads in history. Um, and like I said, we'll start delivering it in a, in a matter of weeks. Um, and just, you know, the, the, and like I said, we'll, I'll, I'll do something that gets into the details of all the Model S changes, um, uh, maybe later this week or next. Uh, but it's it's really better in in, in many ways. Uh, we'll be we will be actually raising the price of Model S uh, for this new model. So people who bought the old model, the, the new model will be ten thousand dollars more. So hopefully, people aren't too upset if they bought the old model last month, but this one's ten k more. Um, so. Yeah, we think it's probably the best car of any kind at any price available in the world today. So, um, then with regard to full self-driving, um, we've made massive progress on full self-driving. If I recommend watching the videos of our, uh, of our public beta. So we've got, I think, almost a thousand people in the, in the beta at this point. And uh, it, with each successive release of the beta of the FSD software, it just gets it's really improving, improving uh, rapidly. Uh, it's now it's now very common for um, you know I, I drive the latest builds. It's very common for me to um, have no interventions uh, on drives that I do, including drives to places I've never been to. So these, these are not pre-planned routes. They're cars. Uh, the cars never been there before, and. Uh, it's now actually more, more. It, it, it's more common than not for the car to have no interventions, even on a complex drive. So, um, and and this is like basically, I'm highly confident the car will be able to drive itself with the reliability in excess of human this year. Uh, this is a very big deal. Um, and, and and thinking about like, you know, how does one justify the, the value of the company being where it is? Um, and I think there is a way, just with back of the envelope map, to potentially justify it uh, where, you know, if, if Tesla ships, let's say, hypothetically, um, 50 or $60 billion worth of vehicles, and those vehicles become full self-driving and can be used in robo-taxis, uh, robo taxis their utility uh, increases from an average of 12 hours a week to potentially an average of 60 hours a week uh, if they're... Um, they're, they're capable of 
serving as a robo taxi. So that, that's like roughly a five x uh, increase in utility. Um, but 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 let's if, even if you say like okay, well let's just assume that the car becomes twice as useful as uh, it, it, not not five times useful, but merely twice as useful. That would be a, a doubling again of the revenue of the company, um, which is in, you know almost entirely um, gross margin. So it would mean it, it would be like okay if you made $50 billion worth of cars, it would be like having $50 billion of incremental profit, basically, from that, because it's, a soft, it's just software. So, um, and if, if there were the case, then yeah, if you do 20 PE on that, it's like a trillion dollars, um, and the company's still in high growth mode. So I think there is a way to sort of like, you know, justify the valuation of the company where it is, uh, using just the cars and nothing else, uh, the cars with FSD. Um, and I, 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 I suspect at least some number of investors are uh, taking that approach. Um, so in, in conclusion, um, while 2020 was a turning point for Tesla and in terms of uh, profitability, uh, we believe this is just the beginning. Uh, we think 2021 is going to be uh, even more exciting and, and, you know, <laughs> you don't know what to expect in a given year, obviously. <laughs> Last year, we did not expect many many things we do not expect. Um, but assuming that 21 is a relatively normal year from an external standpoint, um, I think we're, it's going to be a great year for Tesla. Um, we've got a ton of, you know, many great new products coming out. Uh, we've got factories that are, um, advanced factories that are going to start up production. Um, It'll also make it easier having a factory in Berlin, one in Texas that can, just from a logistics standpoint, you know, Texas can help supply the eastern half of the U.S. and uh, Berlin can help supply Europe. Um, and there's just pure cars on boats, uh, much less capital tied up you know, with the cars that are yeah, on boats or going, uh, being transported to customers. Uh, and I think the fundamental efficiency of the company um, will be much better uh, with the factories, at least having factories on on each continent and having two factories in the U.S. So I'm I'm super excited about the future, um, and uh, yeah, really look forward to making it happen. Thank you. Well, last year, 2020, was arguably the year of Tesla's stock. The stock went on a meteoric rise. This year, I feel, is going to be the year for Tesla's products to go on a meteoric rise. They're going to be introducing the refreshed Model S and Model X in about a month. The Model Y, starting local production in Europe and at a second American location. And in both of those places, it'll be made using the all-new structural battery pack method with the next-gen 4680 cells. You've got the Tesla Semi due to make its first deliveries this year, again on the 4680 cells. The Cybertruck may be squeaking in there at the end of the year. More on that a little later on. It is just a heck of a year for the cars, which elates me to no end because that's honestly, that's why I started this podcast, because I love these cars. Yes, the mission is great, and I totally support it. And the solar and battery storage products are great too, but... I fell in love with Tesla for the cars, and boy, 2021 is shaping up to be an awesome car year for Tesla. Uh, also, as you, you heard Elon mention that he would do a another call about the Model S changes, as soon as he does that call, 
I will do my best to be on that call and bring you all of the new details that he shares. Next up, uh, maybe uh, prepare your, just mentally prepare yourself. If you're feeling good right now, you're enjoying the podcast, uh, you're not probably not going to like this next clip. So let me just warn you about that. It is with regard to full, the transfer of full self-driving from one Tesla to, say, if you were to purchase a new one. Unfortunately, we're not considering that at this time. Um, we do actually offer an increase, a higher price than for, for a car with FSD than the one without FSD. Um, and I do think that the market currently undervalues or the, the consumer market and, and, and arguably the stock market does probably undervalue the, uh, just how good FSD is going to be. Um, but we're not, not currently planning on, on offering, on allowing it to get transferred. Thank you. Um, we will be offering subscription pretty soon in the next month or two. So that, that should address a lot of people's concerns for being able to get it. Well, this will be an answer that no doubt frustrates a lot of Tesla owners out there. Now, the respectful counterpoint that I would make to Elon here is that he said that the market undervalues full self-driving's potential. I think another fair way to look at that would be to say that many people don't feel that the $10,000 price tag delivers enough present-day value. And I think those people would have a pretty reasonable argument with that. But let's see what kind of pricing structure the subscription model has when it's introduced in the next couple of months. Hopefully that will alleviate some of the frustration that's justifiably built up as the FSD price has continued to increase. All right, here's Drew Baglino talking next about the progress on the new 4680 cells. It's true. The, the in-house cell manufacturing system we revealed at Battery Day contains uh, new processes and equipment. So we did expect some unknown unknowns and technical challenges to arise through the production ramp. Uh, the Cato team, however, has been able to solve each manufacturing problem presented to date and continues to improve yield and rate week over week and month over month as we move up the production S-curve. Um, at the same time, the cell engineering team's refined designs and deepened understanding has reinforced our confidence in the drive process and 4680 design, meeting our performance and cost targets. Um, and from a capacity perspective, we have 10 gigawatt hours worth of equipment landed at Cato. The production staff is nearly all hired. Our material supply chain is established and the team is on track for full production ramp this year. Meanwhile, we've developed enough engineering confidence with our 4680 design and the production process and equipment to kick off manufacturing equipment and facility construction to support our 100 gigawatt hour 2022 goal. Well, it sounds like the 4680 cell development is on track right now, and that's great news. If they can even get to 50 gigawatt hours next year, 2022, let alone the 100 uh, gigawatt hour goal that Drew mentioned, then it's going to be a very big 2022. I mean, 2022, we're looking at Start of Roadster production, remember each one of those cars, each one has 200 kilowatt hours of battery in it. Semi, uh, each one of those has possibly a thousand, uh, like a megawatt of power in it. Uh, you've got the ramp up of the Cybertruck, 
it, it's it is going to be a uh, a lot of cells needed for 2022. All right, next the question was asked about the state of service and and dealing with service issues and getting cars in more quickly for service. Here is head of automotive Jerome Guillen speaking to that. Jerome. Yes. Um, well, for us, best service, no service. So we we spent a lot of effort trying to improve the quality and the reliability of our cars. In the last two years, um, the frequency of service visits are reduced by one third. So people have to, uh, customers have to come less frequently in service, which is really the goal: no service. And if um, service has to take place, we're trying to make it as painless as possible. Uh, one big effort there is to increase mobile service, which is now more than 40% of all visits in North America. We're trying to push that to 50% uh, this year. Um, in um, 50% of service uh, visits uh, last less than two hours. Uh, so we're trying to service the cars very quickly so people can get their vehicles back on the road. And uh, in terms of service appointment, um, it, it continues to improve. We have about, uh, we have actually 140 service centers right now in North America. For 100 out of those 140, uh, you can get appointments in less than 10 days. And we're going to make sure it's all service centers uh, are um, have a short wait time. Uh, we're accelerating, as uh, Zach mentioned earlier, the pace of opening. We, in North America, we open 11 uh, centers in December. And we have uh, plans to open 46 in the first half of this year. So that's what we're doing to improve service. Uh, in terms of phones, uh, our uh, emphasis is on the app. Uh, really, we want all communications to go through the app, the Tesla app. Uh, and we're trying to move away from the phone. The app is much better than the phone. Um, it can spot directly alerts directly from the car and schedule a service appointment. And there is a re written record of all communication um, between the customer and the service team. You can have pictures in there. You can take care of your payment without entering the credit card and doing all that stuff. Uh, you get updates on the service. And there's even more uh, features that are going to come uh, in the coming months on the app. And I think everybody will be happy, including the ability to spot uh, where your service technician is and uh, how far it is to, to coming from your car and what's going on there. So we are investing everything on the app, I think just like most other companies as well, and that's the way of the future. Well, I experienced the first phase of this with my cowl cover replacement last week, which went great and the wind noise is gone, thankfully. All the communication with that service was done through the app uh, until the service tech was ready to come to my house because he was ready early. So he actually called me and said, hey, can I come by early? It all worked great. So here's hoping that Tesla does continue to stay on top of the service situation. I've said this a million times before, but that remains my number one concern. Uh, I know it's not any kind of brilliant original thought, but if Tesla's reputation becomes ends up getting the stain on it of you know becoming known for having slow or bad or frustrating service, it's going to negatively affect the mission and be a tough thing to, re to rectify because reputations like that are not easy to shake. So uh, fingers crossed that, that uh, all will be well as the company continues to grow very quickly. 
Next, how about level four full self-driving? What do we need, Elon Musk? Yeah, so <clears throat> uh, it, it, it really goes back to what I was saying uh, a moment ago, which is we need to transition all of the neural nets in the car to um, a video. Um, and in order to, to do that, the, the whole stack has to be, so the stack has to be changed to video. So that means that, uh, gathering video clips uh, then using, and this is actually surround video. So you've got eight cameras operating simultaneously um, um, with, with, you know, the, that, with, with synchronized frame rates. So you've got uh, uh, basically eight frame surround video, uh, eight, eight camera surround video. Um, and then you've got to label um, basically everything in that, in that video a, a, a snippet and and then train against that, and then have those neural nets operate the car. Uh, so, um, um, and, and this is coming from the past where we would label the neural nets would be a single camera, single frame. Um, so, no, no video, and not, and not combining the cameras. Um, and, and then we went from single frame, single frame, one frame at a time, one camera at a time neural nets to surround camera um, neural nets where it would look at all at images from all eight cameras, but, but only one frame at a time. Uh, and now to where we include the time dimension uh, and that's, that's video. So um, I really just see this as a question of, of getting the work done. We're getting it done. And you can see the results in the um, rapidly improving FSD betas that are released. And we're also going to be expanding the FSD, FSD beta itself to include uh, more and more people. Um, so, and from my standpoint, it looks a, a like a very clear and obvious path towards uh, a vehicle that will drive, you know, 100% safer than a person. Um, yeah, I really do not see any obstacles here. Sadly, none of the analysts on the call asked about a timeline for expanding the City Street's full self-driving beta, let alone a fleet-wide release window. Would have been nice to get some sort of new estimate from Elon on that. But it sounds like they're making really good progress, which in fact is backed up by all the videos that continue to come out from the beta testers with each new build that's getting pushed out. Next up, uh, this was maybe the biggest surprise of the call for me. Elon was asked, would you be open to licensing autopilot to other car companies? Take a listen to this. I think we're very open to licensing our software to, to third parties. Um, and we've had some um, preliminary discussions about licensing autopilot to other OEMs. So... Uh, this is something we're, we're more than happy to do, um, and uh, you know. But I think obviously, we, like we need to probably do a little bit more work to prove that Tesla Autopilot is capable of full self-driving, um, which I, I, I think will become obvious later this year. Uh, and then we're more than happy to uh, license that to other car companies. We're, we're definitely not trying to keep it uh, to be a Tesla exclusive situation, um, and. I think that's probably the same goes for Autobitter. We haven't thought as much about Autobitter, but um, the, the Tesla philosophy is definitely not to create uh, walled gardens. Um, you know, we, we're going to allow other companies to use our supercharger networks um, and, uh, yeah, using our 
autonomy software and order better and perhaps other things uh, would be fine too. Well, this is interesting. Notice that Elon didn't just acknowledge the possibility. He said he'd be happy to do it. What that tells me is that Elon is really starting to feel confident in their progress, as well as where they are and where they're going with full self-driving. If they eventually start licensing out the full autopilot hardware and software package, I, I don't even know what the numbers could look like, but I would imagine they could make huge money off of that. Not just in an umbrella deal with each, you know, with any car company that wants it, but potentially they could line it up where they get a cut of the full self-driving option packages on those other companies' cars when people decide to buy it. There's any number of ways that you could slice it, and all of them bode well for Tesla's bottom line. So that was really interesting to hear. All right, Cybertruck. Uh, I teased it earlier. There was zero mention of the Cybertruck in the shareholder letter, but it did come up on the call. Uh, Elon was asked by one of the analysts, what is the status of the Cybertruck? Here is his response. All right, so we're finished um, uh, almost all of the Cybertruck uh, engineering. So we're no longer iterating at the design center level uh, or design level. We've, we've got the designs fixed. Um, we're um, getting to, uh, you know, we'll see an order of the equipment necessary to make the Cybertruck work. We're actually going to be using even uh, bigger casting machines for the rear body of the Cybertruck because you've got, obviously, it's a bigger vehicle and you've got a long uh, truck bed that's going to support a lot of load. So we'll be using an 8,000-ton casting press uh, for the rear body casting as opposed to a 6,000-ton for uh, Model Y. Um, so 6,000-ton was the biggest casting press in the world. 8,000-ton, obviously, yeah, quite a bit bigger than that. And uh, I think it's going to be an incredible vehicle. Um, if we get lucky, we'll, we'll be able to do a few deliveries towards the end of this year. Uh, but I expect volume production to be in 2022. So here was the other kind of bad news of the call. Although at least there's good news within it. The bad news, of course, being that it's probably time to mentally prepare yourself for the Cybertruck to slip into 2022. There will be no pulling a Model Y and shipping early with this vehicle. And uh, that enormous 8,000-ton single-press casting that's got to get installed and brought online at Giga Texas... Probably a big reason for that, literally and figuratively. I mean, that is no doubt a very, very large undertaking. But the good news is, as you heard, the Cybertruck is, for all intents and purposes, done. It just has to get made now. The design is locked, and they just got to get the equipment in there, get the parts, and start building them, uh, you know, either at the very end of this year or starting early next uh, here's Zach Kirkhorn, the CFO of Tesla, talking about what Tesla is going to do with its big pile of cash on hand. Um, on the second side, with respect to capital, um, a, a couple of things that we're thinking through there. So, uh, as I mentioned in my opening remarks, debt reduction is an important thing that we're focused on now. Uh, early conversions, you know, th these are things we don't have a choice on. Um, we did around $2 billion of that in Q4. We currently have $1.4 billion that we expect to go out in Q1 as a result of early conversions or conversions on convertible debt. 
uh, that number may increase. And so debt reduction is important. That's helpful on interest expense as well. Uh, we are also using the money with respect to our investments in future capacity. And so what we're able to do now that we haven't had the opportunity to do in the past is as we're building capacity, particularly in Austin and Berlin, we can build that capacity with the expectation of what the end state of capacity will be, pulling forward some of those investments rather than uh, incrementally adding capacity as we go along. And so th this is an important part in terms of capital efficiency that we haven't had the luxury to do in the past. And it's great to be able to have the liquidity to focus on that. Um, and then more broadly, as Jerome was touching on, uh, service expansion is really important to the future strategy of the company. So it, it, as you saw in our Q4 numbers, uh, the expansion of service centers and mobile service from Q3 to Q4 increased quite a bit and was also quite a bit higher than the first part of the year. And so we're able now to make investments there and also in the supercharging network to get ahead of future demand, which will cost us more in the near term, but is what the right long-term thing is for our customers and the company. All I want to say here is that, again, it makes me happy to hear that they're thinking about staying ahead of the curve on both service center expansion and supercharger expansion. The next question was, are the cell partners making 4680 cells yet? Take a listen to this. Uh, <clears throat> no, it does not. Um, although we, we are uh, talking with them about making the 4680 form factor, uh, but they, it, it is not required. Um, for example, the, uh, the, new, the new S currently uses the 18650 form factor, uh, so they're just a more advanced cell. Uh, and we think we'll continue to use that form factor for at least a, you know, a, a few years. Um, but we, we will, over time, be retiring the form factors and trying to move to a consistent form factor. So, um, but, but it is not a requirement that we place upon our suppliers because uh, it would it would just result in, in fewer cells. So it's better for us to deal with the complexity of different cell form factors than insist on a single form factor for our, our suppliers uh, today. Like I said, over time, it will make sense to have a consistent form factor. Well, how about that? Tesla is able to achieve Plaid without the 4680 cells. They're still using the 18650s, but with a new chemistry. I do imagine, though, uh, very, very confident that the Plaid Plus in the fall is on the 4680 cells, and that's where it's going to get not just the extra bit of power, but very much the extra range. That's where the 520 plus miles of range is almost certainly coming from. But you know, it's also interesting to hear the reason behind why Tesla won't be switching everything over to the 4680 cells right away. What Elon had to say there makes sense. It's kind of a perfect is the enemy of the good type of situation, it seems. Uh, what about a Tesla van, Elon? I think Tesla is definitely going to make an electric van at some point. The thing to bear in mind is, is, is that there is fundamentally a constraint on battery cell output. Um, the, you know, it, it, it's kind like, if, if one is not involved in manufacturing, it's really hard to appreciate just how hard it is to scale production. It's, it's the hardest thing in the world. Um, prototypes are easy. Uh, scaling production is very hard. Um, so, um, but, but, uh, you know, a big part of the reason, the main, the main reason we have not uh, accelerated um, new products 
is, like for example, the Tesla Semi, is that we simply don't have enough sales for it. Like we, we, this, if we were to make the Semi, like right now, uh, which we, we could eat, we could easily go into production with the Semi, but we would not have enough sales for it right now. Um, we will have sales for, enough sales for the Semi when we are producing um, the Tesla 4680 in volume. Um, but for example, semi would use typically five times the sell number of cells that a, that a car would use, um, but it would not sell for five times what a car would sell for. So uh, it, it kind of doesn't make it would not make sense for us to do the semi right now. But it will absolutely make sense for us to do it as soon as we can um, address the cell production constraint. The same would go for a van. Well, as I sort of generally covered earlier on the podcast, Tesla's plate is very full for the next few years as they scale up battery production. And for that matter, vehicle production too at the next couple of gigafactories. And then there are the vehicles that have been announced but not produced yet, which as of now, you've got the Semi, the Cybertruck, the Roadster, and even though it's not officially announced, I think it's fair to add the $25,000 compact sedan and the hot hatch to this list as well. Those projects are all going to collectively keep Tesla pretty darn busy for the next three or four years at least. So a van is almost certainly a back burner item for the time being, but at least once they do get to it, they can probably build it off of either the Model Y platform or maybe the Model X's platform, and in either case, it would be the 4680 structural battery platform for either of those vehicles. What about new uh, autopilot hardware? Elon was asked about that. Here's his response. Yeah, I mean, to, be, to be clear, we're, we're still not, um, the software still does not fully use the capabilities of the FSD version 1 computer. Um, it, it is really just an incredibly powerful computer, um, and I have, um, I'm, I'm personally certain that you can achieve full self-driving uh, with a safe level far in excess of a person just using the, the full self-driving version 1 computer. The version 2 we expect to be about three times as powerful, um, uh, and, and this, this, this would need to be paired with um, higher resolution cameras. Um, and uh, so it, it's it's quite a it it require a bunch of things to change simultaneously, um, but we we have not been rushing the version two of the the chip. It's it, it's coming along well and it's it's in good shape. But um, since we can achieve FSD pull up routing with the current system, um, it it would actually be a distraction right now if we were to introduce the full self driving uh, the Tesla FSD chip two. Um, because it, it, it would set us back quite a bit on software, um, and software is the critical path to full uh, self-driving. So, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. Is that that's not a that's not a that, that's that's a, that's an improvement, but not a game changer. The FSD two, um, getting the software to work and getting all the neural nets uh, to be video. Uh, that, that's the game changer. All right, I'm going to go with a prediction here. Roadster will be the first car to get hardware for. It makes sense not only to put the more expensive cameras on the Halo car and the new Hardware 4 or FSD Computer 2 chip on there as well, because if Elon is saying that a hardware changeover 
will slow down the software, which does make sense. Uh, it would then make sense to do that changeover on the low volume supercar that most people are going to want to drive manually anyway for a while. Why buy a Roadster if you're just going to put it on autopilot? Uh, I think also the Roadster owners might be the most patient on the autopilot front, specifically because of that. He was like, well, no, I'll drive. It's fine. <laughs> but um, and then on top of that, most Roadster owners, you figure, will probably also own another Tesla and be able to use autopilot on that if they want to drive somewhere with autopilot. So uh, we'll see what happens as both the cameras and the autopilot computer evolves. The last clip I have for you from the Q4 2020 earnings call is about Elon himself. And will Elon step down anytime soon? How long does he expect to stick around as the CEO of Tesla? Um, I, I expect to be CEO of Tesla for you know, several years. Uh, so um, I think there's, there's still a lot that I'm super excited about doing. And um, and I think uh, it would be hard to leave a lot of these great projects halfway or part like partway done. So, um, yeah, I, I do expect to be running the company for, for several years into the future. Um, now obviously nobody, you know, nobody is or should be CEO forever. Um, uh, so I don't expect to be, it's like the sheer amount of work required to be CEO of Tesla is, is insane. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I do. I think I do probably more. Well, I definitely do more technical work than is typical for a CEO. So um, it, it, it would be nice to have a bit more free time on my hands, um, as opposed to just <laughs> working day and night. <laughs> From when I wake up to go to when I go to sleep, some days we it's pretty intense. Um, so, but I think the, the mission isn't over yet, and and we still got a long way to go before we. Um, can really make a dent in the world on accelerating the advent of sustainable energy. Um, I mean, the, the goal of Tesla from the beginning uh, has been to accelerate, accelerate, accelerate sustainable energy. And but if you say like, what percentage of cars on the road are electric today? It's all very, very tiny, like on the order of one percent, or I think less than one percent of the total fleet worldwide. So, it, so that's that's still a hell of a long way to go for, you know on the order of 1% of the fleet is electric. Um, there's, there's also a tremendous way to go on solar power, although it's exciting to see the the, um, the advent of uh, very cost-competitive wind and solar and geothermal. And, uh, and of course, we need, we need a large volume of stationary battery packs. I mean, but basically, the, the, I mean, the three legs of a sustainable energy future are uh, sustainable energy generation via you know, solar, wind, geothermal, and hydro, and a few others. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm actually not against uh, nuclear fission. I actually think nuclear fission is, you know, with with a well-designed reactor in a situation that is not subject to uh, bad weather or, or seriously bad weather is is actually it is a good thing to do. So, um, and then but then the second thing you need is you need stationary storage. You need batteries uh, because uh, most renewable energy is intermittent. It doesn't, the wind doesn't blow all the time. The sun doesn't shine all the time. So you need a lot of batteries uh, and, and they need to be very long lasting and high cycle life. And then you need electric transport. And if you have those, those, those three things, 
we've got a, a very bright future with respect to uh, energy and the and the environment. So, still a long way to go on that, and so, so I'm still you know very much fired up to work on that. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the last time Elon talked about how long he planned to stay as Tesla's CEO, that he said it was going to be a lot longer than the mid-2020s. But, you know, I suppose if he feels like he he is able to get Tesla to a point where, if you'll forgive me, it's on autopilot from, you know, a financial perspective and, and the product roadmap and all that, that he would be comfortable stepping down in order to focus full-time on SpaceX and getting to Mars. I still share the opinion of others, though, who've suggested that uh, it would be great to see Elon hire a chief operating officer at Tesla, similar to Gwyn Shotwell at SpaceX, in order to take some of the day-to-day burden and workload off of him at Tesla. I mean, that, that in and of itself could lead to the healthier work-life balance that he he now clearly seems to want more of these days based on what he said in that clip. But a very interesting week of Tesla this week. You know, good earnings call, good results, good numbers. Uh, and obviously the new S and the X, just awesome. Had fun talking through all of that stuff. And, you know, I spent, I spent all of Wednesday just jotting down my thoughts and then trying to organize them on Thursday and pull all the clips and stuff. And, oh, that was a, that was a fun episode to do. I'm not quite done yet though. Just going to take a little quick five second break here or so. And then I'll come right back with your pro tip of the week and then wrap things up for you right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Before I go, I do want to play you a pro tip of the week. I like this part of the show. I think it's helpful. It's certainly helpful for me and hopefully helpful for you as well. Before I play it, I remind you that you can call in with one of these. If you have found something interesting about your car that's maybe not obvious, not covered in the instruction manual and the owner's manual, I would love to hear from you. You can send it in the same way that you send in the phone calls, which I give you that information at the very top of the show. So uh, send in your pro tips of the week, and I will play one of these each episode in this uh, here towards the end of the show. The pro tip this week is from Brad in Falls Church, Virginia. Go ahead, Brad. Hey, Ryan, this is Brad from Falls Church, Virginia. I've got a pro tip for you. I recently had Hardware 3 installed and um, in my uh, Model 3, and a few days after, we realized that the passenger side ambient lights where the passenger's feet go weren't on. Um, so I called, or I went to the app and scheduled service, and a mobile service guy came, and what he told me was that um, there are six cords up underneath the dash, uh, like under the uh, glove compartment, and they all um, have different cord lengths, but the plugs actually fit into each other, and it's very easy to get them mixed up. So he thinks when they installed Hardware 3, they got two of them mixed up and just put the ambient light plug into the hole for another service. He, he assumed it was probably the um, glove box because they're right next to each other, and we hadn't tested the glove box, so we didn't know if it didn't work. But he switched them back. Everything seemed to work. He said that that's... Um, not 
common, but it's not unheard of. So if anybody has any sort of weird things that aren't working after they get the car back from service, that might be it. Um, go into the app, schedule a technician, and they should be able to fix it pretty quickly. Thank you, Brad. Well, that's exactly what happened to me, except for me, it's the glove box light instead of the passenger footwell light. I'm waiting until the car needs to go in for service again somehow, but you know, I'll bear this in mind for when the time comes. Thank you very much. All right, let me just mention a few friends of the podcast real quick, starting with abstractocean.com, purveyors of a million different excellent aftermarket products, ranging from the excellent tempered glass screen protectors for your three and your Y, uh, complete with, they are a perfect fit. There is a subtle curve in the bottom of the glass, and the Abstract Ocean screen protector has that. So it is, a, it is a brilliant fit on there. They've also got the center console wraps coming. Uh, not coming, but they're there. There's a few different styles to choose from. There's the rear footwell lighting kit, which I would especially recommend to Model Y owners, but it's nice on the three as well. The drop-in cup holder stabilizer, all kinds of neat stuff. Go to abstractocean.com and use the coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word, RTL podcast at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. Uh, Immaculate Reflections, if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area or going to be here with your car and you'd like some brilliant detailing work done, whether it's paint correction, paint uh, protection film, or, or ceramic coating, or two or more of those, Immaculate Reflections will take great care of you and your car. Go to irdetailing.com to get in touch with Jeff and be sure to mention that you are a Ride the Lightning listener and there is a discount waiting for you. Meanwhile, the snap plate, AKA the front license plate, for people like me that hate front license plates, but you might need to put one on there for some uh, reason or another, it's easily removable. So if you don't wanna have it on there and cause you hate it, you can take it right off for those times when you don't need to have it on. But you can get yours for any of the Teslas, the S, the X, the three or the Y at everyamp.com slash RTL. They changed the name of their business, but it's still the same wonderful folks running at the same great products. Everyamp, E-V-E-R-Y-A-M-P, everyamp.com slash RTL. PureTesla.com slash RTL is your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. uh, Free shipping anywhere in the United States. It comes pre-formatted for the Tesla cam and ready to go. You just take it right into the package, put it right into your car. It could not be easier. This is a long-term solution for your dash cam and sentry mode, uh, unlike a traditional flash, you know, USB flash memory that is going to crap out after some months, which is what happened to me. So get yours at puretesla.com slash RTL. And then there's Jada. My friends at Jada, they've got the wireless charging pad for the Model 3, as well as the USB hubs for the 3 and the Y. If you're interested in getting yours, first, make sure you use a coupon code, which we I have for listeners of this show. The code is RIDETHELIGHTNING, all one word, and that's good for 10 bucks off. And if you're going to purchase one or both of those, I would humbly ask you to use my referral link, which is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash 8. Jada spelled J-E-D-A. And finally, before I thank the Patreon backers at the Plaid and Maximum Plaid level, I guess, should I change that to Plaid Plus? <laughs> we'll, just, we'll stick with Maximum Plaid for now, but uh, I want to just give a plug to my own Patreon. 
as was hopefully obvious from listening to this week's episode. Gosh, I hope so, because if it wasn't, I'm doing something wrong. But hopefully it's pretty obvious that I do put a lot of time, a lot of research, a lot of effort and energy and enthusiasm into this podcast. And if you're willing and able to support my efforts, I would sincerely appreciate it. You'd be making a big difference for me and my family. Uh, You can find all the information on my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. The support tiers start at just five bucks a month, and that'll get you early access to each week's episode. And then uh, if you want to pledge more, there are more and more uh, rewards that stack. And I should also mention, I've seen a lot of people uh, take up take take Patreon up on their new option of an annual subscription. If you just like to you know, say, hey, Ryan, I'd just like to throw you a one-time payment that's good for the year. Patreon now supports that. And what's cool is, if you're uh, kind enough to do that, I'm offering, there's a 5% discount. So, uh, you know, you could you can pick one of the tiers and do the one-year membership, one-year support, and you'll get 5% back. So, again, that's patreon.com slash Podcast. And with that, I will thank all of the wonderful Plaid and Maximum Plaid folks, starting with the Maximum Plaid crew, Pete White, Danny Nelson, Jonathan Wales, Fernando Cordero, Sean Nydig, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, congratulations Howard on your new Model Y, Jackson Wallace, Charles Galpin, Neil Weaver, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, and Brent Libino. Thank you all very much. And the Plaid crew, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, David Vakil, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Will Stedman, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversoll, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Steve Radspinner, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Eric St. Pierre, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Scott Gillis, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, and Mike and Barbara from Louisville. Thank you all very much for supporting my efforts here on the podcast. And with that, I have come to the end of one of the longer episodes of this show, but I, I hope you enjoyed it. I had a heck of a lot of fun recording this. It was, it was, a, it was an exciting week, and I was just frantically spending my evenings taking all kinds of notes and making my observations and then sitting down to record it. It felt good to just say all of it and to share all of these thoughts. Hopefully, you found it to be a valuable use of your time. That is always my goal because in my opinion, as I've said a million times before, your time is your most valuable asset. And I sincerely appreciate you giving me this week an hour, more than an hour and a half of your time. So thank you sincerely for that. Thank you for listening. For 
a snoring Daisy the Boxer to my left. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning, episode 287, and I will see you back here next week, same time, same day as always. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.